ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Hey everybody, we got a really, really, really special guy here today. I've been chasing him for a year. Donnie Banks, welcome to ATV Talk, a motorsports podcast. We're glad to have you, sir. Thank you. Glad to be on here. It's it's really a pleasure, man. Uh, I, I've been waiting for this day for a while. You have no idea. Yeah, I've kind of uh, I've kind of been uh, um, not necessarily avoiding it, but Pellin came down the other day and said, Hey dude, you really need to do that. And I said, well, he's been asking me, but, uh, you know, I just, I've been busy and been, you know, had never really done a podcast in the first place, but, uh, I'm excited about it. Well, what it is, is it's just you and I going to have a conversation about you. Okay. When did you start racing? Well, so when I was 16 years old, um, uh, the first race I did, my dad wouldn't let me race. So, uh, I told him me and my uncle were going trail riding and, uh, we snuck to a race. I had to go to church Sunday. So by the time I got there, I missed practice. So my first race was my dad didn't know about. I ended up with fourth place that I had to hide the trophy in the woods before, uh, before I went home. So at 16 year old, it's when I, it was my first race. It was a motorcycle race on a Honda SL 125. That is incredibly awesome. Yeah. So you raced your first one on a motorcycle. When did you transition over to the the four wheelers? It was probably 85 or 86 to a three wheeler. And it was really, um, it was really a bet with, uh, with some buddies of mine, I, we owned a Honda shop back then. We still own it today, but they all were riding three wheelers in the Creek. And, uh, they said, Hey, let's, uh, come on and go down there. You know, you, you need a three wheeler though. You can't outrun us on a motorcycle. I, I said, okay. So I put a five, a CR 500, I put a paddle tire on it and went through the Creek and just demolished them. <laughs> and I said, I said, let me, let me ride one of those things. So that, 
it, it kind of happened at the same time I injured, injured one of my knees and um, started riding the uh, three-wheeler because I, I didn't have to put my foot on the ground. But um, so I started on a Honda 250R, probably, probably 85, 86, somewhere in that area. Did, did you adapt really quick to the three-wheeler? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, so then I, I went to, I was racing pretty good by then, and I went to Gatorback, and I think there was a, there was a guy named Rodney Gentry there, and he was a Honda support rider, and <clears throat> my three-wheeler had a, it, it was basically stock, bone stock, stock pipe, stock axle, I just took the lights off and put a number on it, and I ended up getting second place to him. And everybody said, well, that, that guy is num national number six. He's really good. So I said, well, heck, I need a pipe and some axles, you know, and, and some of the other stuff. So when I was down there, I saw, um, I saw a pipe on a 250R. It had Bill's pipes, 714-361-1729, I think was the phone number. I remember today I said, I'm going to call that guy and see how much a pipe is. And it, 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 a few weeks transpired, but it was in ATV news. And uh, so Bill said, yeah, I saw where you got second in, in, uh, at Gatorback. So he sent me a pipe for free, and that was like my first sponsorship, first free thing. I said, dude, I'm on to this. So then I bought an axle and bought some tires and wheels and, and raced three-wheelers for a little while. And uh, then I, it, I'm trying to think the year – I think it was 85 – when the when – the, Quad Racer first came out at Loretta's. That was the first time that I rode a four-wheeler. Yeah, I'd ridden, I'd ridden one around, but that's the first time I raced one was at Loretta's. And you raced a Suzuki? Yep, it was Suzuki. Um, I ended up winning. It was, it, was, it was like the national championship, but was only one race, you know. And uh, we bought some Hoosier tires down there. Basically, I think we had a pipe on it, and it was pretty much stock other than the tires, and we ended up winning. Um, won both motos at, uh, at Loretta's that year. That's pretty awesome. On the Suzuki. Yep. Had you, had you won your dad over by this point? Oh, he, it, it was over then. He, you know, he used to always say, Hey, I said, I want to race. I want to race. I want to race. And then, um, he said, well, you're in the human race every day. You know, that, that was always his, his response, but yeah, he, uh, he, he just accepted it. You know, he, uh, we owned the motorcycle shop. My, my grandmother used to tell me their motorcycles are made to sell, not to ride. So <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I had to kind of change, change their, you know, change their mind on that stuff. Oh, I bet you did. Yep. Were you the only one in the family that, that, that liked to go ride and do all that? I got three sisters and, uh, none of them, did had anything to do with the business. So it was just, it was basically me, you know, and, um, I, I think the, the worst part about it, it, it took me away from the dealership because every weekend I was going racing. I mean, it, if, if there was a race, I was going, you know, and, uh, I, I, he fired me one time for going to an arena cross and, uh, in Savannah, Georgia, he said, you, you can't go racing. You, you didn't ask me, you didn't. So, so I said, well, it's Friday night and Saturday night and I'm out of here you know? And he said, well, you're fired. And so I came back Monday and my granddad said, you need to go ask for your job back. So it was kind of funny. We laugh about it now, but, uh, I've probably been fired a couple of times and, you know, <laughs> the last 40 or 50 years. 
Well, hey, I've been the same boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you work for family, you get fired and then have to go yeah. make up for it. Yep. That that's that's pretty awesome stuff. So that was eighty six is when that Suzuki came out, or eighty five is when that Suzuki came out. Yeah, yeah. It it wasn't even out for the full year, I don't think, because um, they it, it, the national it was dirt days at Loretta's. And I raced, I raced, uh, by then I was running pro class cause I needed to, I needed the money, you know? And, um, so I was going to race pro 350, I mean, three wheeler pro and four wheeler pro. And, um, I'd already won the four wheeler class and I get on the three wheeler and it was it, like always at Loretta's, it was smoking hot and Clifford Nobles, who's, uh, who's a buddy of mine, who's four wheeler I actually rode came and dumped a cooler full of water on my on my back to cool me down. And you know how riding a three-wheeler with a wet seat, it just don't happen. So, <laughs> you know, I came off the gate and about two turns in, I'm thinking, dude, I can't do this. I might as well just went, you know, just concentrate on winning the four-wheeler class. That's crazy. Yeah. From then the four-wheeler thing for you was over. Yep. Yep. When did you transition to the Honda? Um, as soon as they came out, because I was a Honda dealer. So, you know, we weren't, we, we're a Suzuki dealer now, but we weren't a Honda, you know, we were only a Honda dealer back then. So as soon as the Honda came out, that's when I, when I did it. And then, um, I went to, I, I won the Florida series and, you know, all those guys in there were that, that's pretty good. You're good there. But you know, all the fast guys are in California and I'm trying to think there's probably 87 86 or 87, I said, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go race the Golden State. So, um, I'm not sure exactly what year it was, but anyway, I, I ended up winning the Golden State that year and, um, and then, and raced a few Mickey Thompson. Actually, the first time I went out there, I think I ran Porterville, which was a TT and I'd never run a TT in my life. Um, I think that was the first national and I didn't even qualify. So, you know, we stayed out and rode the, rode the Golden States and, and won several of those. I, I ended up winning, I think I won the Golden State like three years in a row. And I, it was probably 86, 87, 88, or 87, 88, and 89. Probably one of those. That's too awesome. Yeah, and the Golden State was brutal, though. It was, it was man, you know, it, it was, it, it was brutal. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of started on a bet from, from a bunch of low guys. Yeah, well, you did good here, but you can't go out there and win. So that was, you know, that was a challenge. And then that you were already racing the nationals at that point. Yeah. Yep. And how long, because you live in Georgia. Right. How long before they had a national in Georgia? I don't, well, I don't know that they had one until I became a promoter and, uh, had, you know, they're chicaning. So I, I, I think, I don't think there was a, a ATV national until I started promoting, you know, races after I get, after I finished, I, I built a racetrack and started, I built one, I built paradise and we had a ATV, we had a TT national there. We had a motocross ATV national, but it got rained out. So I moved it to Ichikani, which was another track that we just bought it. Starting gate wasn't even in the ground. 
and it was a sand track and it it ended up being uh it was always the second biggest to Loretta's every year that uh that we we race at and that that was probably one of my funnest things was promoting events because uh we got four time promoter of the year like four times in a row Pelling got it two or three times i got it four times and then um uh the bud fisher got it maybe once or twice so that that was about as that was as challenging as as racing to me it was it was pretty fun putting on events you know and and having people from all over the country come in and just trying to one up everybody else out there what year did you retire well i had a pretty bad crash in michigan in 1990 i think and that's that's pretty much my daughter was born i was at loretta's with a beeper probably it was probably 92 93 something like that the year my daughter was born i'm sitting on the line and i got a beeper you know my wife's back home i'm going i hope this thing don't go off you know so i'm i'm racing and just like I watch all of these pros today, dude, when you got a kid, it's in the back of your mind. You know, it's, uh, think things change that, that, that throttle hand, instead of going forward, it goes backwards. You know, it's like, dude, I gotta, I gotta be careful. Cause it, you know, it's a brutal sport. We've seen people hurt, paralyzed, killed, you know, it's just that, that was always in the back of my mind. So, you know, at that point I said, dude, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'll still ride for fun, but I'm not going to, you know, I, I just couldn't operate at that level. I think I was physically capable, you know, and it, it was hard coming back after my crash in Redbud where I broke uh, like seven ribs. I broke my collarbone, my shoulder blade, broke the ball off my arm. Um, it, it was brutal. And it took me, it probably took me a year to, to get back where I could, could race again. Or ride again you know and what year was that that was in 90 that was at the red bud national in 1990 i was there yeah i was jumping all the way remember what happened is the first turn it rained and it just it, it was so flooded that they just took us straight from the start straight off that big downhill jump yep and i was i was jumping to the bottom and um steve stroud got the whole shot and I'd, I'd worked from way up, way back to, uh, he was leading and he jumps off the inside to the left side of the jump. And I'm just skying from the, from the right side and the next turns a left-hander. So he swings out and I land on him at shoot. I'm, we're probably running 50 plus miles an hour. And it was, it was violent, broke his wrist and his shoulder blade, I think, or collarbone. And it, shoot, they, they took me to the hospital. It was pretty bad. Mm. And then and it took you almost the whole 91 year to come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, we were racing Mickey Thompson, and I'd won it in 88, 89. We would have won, but we had a, a mechanical DNF. And I can't remember who won that year. Marty. Marty Hart? Yep. Um, so, so what happened – you, you remember the three bolts on the uh, counterbalancer? Yep. On the Honda, well, the the long bolt, you know, the the, the threads would break up off. Yep. So the bolt was sitting there. We we had pulled the ignition cover for some reason, and 
pulled the bolt out with the threads back down, got into the stator and killed the ignition. So that was, that was, uh, that was a DNF that we couldn't overcome. That, that, that'll do it to you every time. Yep. Mm. Yep. But we, shoot, we were, you know, we were, we were living and learning. We weren't, uh, you know, we didn't have any factory help. We, uh, I remember like, uh, the Honda factory dude, they just had always had the good stuff. Um, my first national went to, uh, Washougal motocross national. And I think I finished fourth and, um, but dude, that, that bike was just no bottom in. I just had to, you know, ride the wheels off of it to even get there. But you know, that, that, that's what hooked me. And then, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a challenge. We, we had to live and learn, you know, we, uh, we were trying different motors and different pipes and, you know, Bill, Bill Severe at Bill's pipes. He, he did a lot of stuff for me, but we were still, you know, we were still living and learning, you know, we were, we were always trying new stuff. You know, we were struggling to get more power, you know, and, and, try to have his bikes as good as everybody else's when did you transition into the long travel stuff the wide a arms and everything um i'm trying to think that was you know we, we uh hey we 88 and 89 i think it was after that um i, I know i had them I, I really don't remember i remember 88 was probably my best year um, won the Mickey Thompson, won the Golden State, won the Arena Cross. The Arena Cross was really cool stuff um, back in the day. Um, but I don't really remember when what year I got the Lager frame. Um, when, when did they start coming out? Do you remember? Um, I believe it was 89, 90. Is when yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think 88 – we, we built an aluminum subframe OMF Tim Orchard at OMF built one and the magazines were just raving about it. And it, you know, it looked really cool, but it didn't take off any weight. You know, we thought, you know, we got a removable subframe, well, this is cool, but you know, that was just it. It was just cool. You know, and it looked good, <laughs> you know, it looked good. <laughs> yeah. And then we, and then, and Jeff made, you know, the, the Bill's pipes bumper that Jeff put the shark's teeth on. Yep. And then he did a rolling stone, you know, the, the tongue hanging out with the teeth. So, uh, Jeff Springman was my mechanic. You know, he, he was Bill's, Bill's stepson. And, uh, you know, we were, we were buddies and he, he was actually in my wedding. So, uh, he was, uh, he was instrumental in a lot of the stuff that we that we were trying and then i actually a lot of people don't know this wayne henson i would burn up so many clutches you know at mickey thompson i'd I'd go into the the race with a new clutch i'd run qualifying and all that stuff and i wanted a new clutch for the main event so we would we would use two to three clutches during a mickey thompson event and yeah and you'd have to take the uh you'd have to take you know the drain the antifreeze and all that stuff back in the day. So the clutch cover, um, Wayne Henson made me one. It, the original would look like a cookie cutter, a cookie jar. So you would just take a snap ring and pull it out. And then you could change the clutch without, um, 
without taking the whole side cover off. And so then he started manufacturing those afterwards. But but Wayne, I saw him not long ago. He's he still got that clutch cover. The very first one that he made you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to hit him up to get a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. The, Wayne dude, was Wayne. really a cool guy too. I mean, that's you know, him and Denton were a great team. And it's you know, I learned a lot of stuff from from Wayne and we kind of watch and try to copy, you know, copy what the successful people were doing, you know. Well, you're a pretty tall guy, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm six, I'm sitting, I'm shrinking now. I'm six one. I was, I was, I was six four and some change back in the heyday. And you're six one now? Oh yeah. And my son's six seven. Holy co smokes. Yeah. Yeah. Is he play professional basketball? No, dude. He's smart. He's like his mom. He's he's an athlete. But he's super smart, like his mom. He's an engineer in uh, Austin, Texas. Really? Yep. Got his master's and all. He's uh he's killing it. Well, I see, I see your daughter on Facebook. Yep. With some of the things, I, I don't totally understand what she's doing, but she's on there. She, a lot. she sells medical supplies, and um, so so my son likes to ride, but he's he's not as enthusiastic about it like she is. She takes after me. She wants to, she loves to ride. And, um, she, she graduated from Ole Miss. Um, she was sports broadcast journalist. So she does sideline reporting for football. She wants to do motocross, but it's a lot of politics is trying to get her in there, but she's done some fight club stuff. Have you seen that? Um, no, I didn't know she's, that. so she's done fight club stuff, um, with Rob Bidos. Um, in South Carolina when Jeremy McGrath and Brayton and uh, Robbie Madison and all those guys raced, um, Stuart Baylor. It, it was a pretty cool event. And she also does um, some of the bagger league racing, but she wants to, she wants to do motocross. Her passion is to do motocross. That's incredible. I need to, yep. I need to have her come on the show. Oh yeah. She's a, she's a character. Really like her dad? Yeah, but she's she's really good looking. So I I, I kid everybody. She gets my looks, and they say, "No, nah, I think she got her mama's looks." Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the mama. Yeah, I know you. I know you. I dude, figured so. you were. I figured you would. <laughs> I remember we were uh, in um, Giant Stadium there in San Francisco for yep. one of the uh, Mickey Thompsons, and you had driven all the way from Georgia. Yep. To come to that Mickey's. Yep. And, uh, yep. Myself and one of the other guys that was driving with us, uh, helping us out at the time, you, you needed, you needed us to help you do something with your trailer. I don't even remember what it was at this point, but we had to help you. We, we helped you get parked and, and I'll put him in your spot and everything. Yeah. And then he goes, okay, we're going to, we're going to go get some rest. Sorry. Got to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, we, uh, me and Shane hit me and my wife drove out there a couple times. She was my girlfriend back then. We didn't get married till after I got through racing. Um, I was 33 when we got married. Um, and then me and Shane hit made a couple drives out to California, but I probably drove four or five times out there. Um, and then, you know, lived with, with, uh, Jeff down in Norco area. And I had bikes out in California 
at, at one, you know, at one time I was flying back and forth because I had a sister that worked for American Airlines. So I would get these buddy passes and uh, all my other sisters say, how come you get them all? You know, well, I got to have them. You know, I'm, I'm using them. So it was pretty cool. What, what did the business do while you were doing all this? Well, they had to learn to adapt because, <laughs> um, you know, my, my dad always told me, you know, I, I'm the third generation of, uh, so, so our business started in 1918 capital cycle. It was a bicycle shop and my dad, 1918. Yep. Over a hundred years old. So my dad, uh, he, he took on Honda, you know, my granddad grew up in the depression and my dad took on Honda. And then when I come along, he said, well, third generations always fail. I said, okay, well, I'm racing right now. When I get through, I'll come manage this thing. But last year, we're probably one of the biggest dealers in the state of Georgia. We've got 10 brands now. Um, basically I'm, I'm, you know, even at 60 something, like I wrote a hair scramble yesterday, but, but I hadn't ridden since 2000 race since 2018 because I had a, a, a guy ran into the back of my leg at the, the mini O's and I had nine knee surgeries. So that, you know, my parents, you know, still giving me hell. You going racing? You, you know, you you need to outgrow that stuff, you know. But I said, well, if you'd let me race when I was growing up, then you know, I wouldn't. I'd have been done with it by now. But so, <laughs> but it's fun. You know, it's hard to it's hard to explain it. And you, you know, because I did, I do follow you on on social media, so yeah. I did see some of that. Um, progress and you are you still having trouble with it today I, I have uh issues with the nerves in my foot and the range of motion is real limited so you know like I tell I tell people I said well I, I can't turn left good and I can't turn right good but I can go straight you know fast and everybody knows all these motocross tracks are left or right so you know so my it was my left knee that got hurt and the, there's nerve damage to my foot. So I, sometimes I don't even feel it. You know, I'll put it down and, and then I'll have to look down and see is, is my foot on the peg or is it off the peg? And then to turn right, I have to put my heel on there so I can get on the corner of the peg so I can get up close to the tank to turn. So it's just, it's, it's a long process of adapting and learning how to, you know, change the way you've done things, you know, I mean, it's, it's been a while. So I got an electric uh, KTM that I ride in my backyard. And a lot of it's just been learning how to slide up and down on the seat and put your peg and, all right, where's my foot, you know? So, you know, shifting, shifting's different. And um, it's, it's, just, it's just complicated, you know? So, but I've been riding my bike. I ride my bicycle. I was, uh, before my knee, I, got hurt. I, I was riding my bicycle 200 miles a week. Then after my knee, after the nine surgeons, I, I set a goal last year to ride hundred miles a week. I, I ended up doing it. So this year I'm starting back riding motorcycles. So I'm not riding my bicycle quite as much, but, um, you know, heck at 64, 63, every year, it's just, you know, you see yourself going downhill a little bit more. So you just got to keep moving. You got to keep pushing it.
What does mama say about all this off-road activity? My wife or my mom? Your wife. She thinks I'm stupid. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming, but I just... Yeah. Uh, at no point telling you to stop, though. Oh, she knows. She, she, she doesn't even waste her breath. The funniest thing is when I first, about three weeks ago, a friend of mine owns WW in Jacksonville. It's, it's a big motocross track that has a, uh, had a national a couple of years ago. I mean, awesome facility, great place. They're good friends of mine. We, we take our camper down there. We're loading up. She likes to go because some friends of ours from Florida all come up and we just kind of hang out. And I'm, I've, I've loaded, she's seen me put my bicycle in and, you know, we, we tow the truck behind the camper. So I've been working, getting all my, my gear bag up from a motorcycle and, uh, and, and I loaded the gear bag up and I waited till she walks back in the house, you know, before I, before I loaded it in the truck and, um, I, I load the thing in the truck and she's sitting there just looking in at me going, what's that? I said, well, I'm, I'm riding my bicycle. You know, that ain't your bicycle bag. She knew, she probably knew the whole damn time. <laughs> and, and, and she's going, you're an idiot. And she starts texting the kids, your dad's going to Florida to race. I said, I'm not racing. I'm just riding practice. And I, I did ride practice. I just, I rode, there was three practices. I rode the first one felt pretty good. The second one felt even better, but Mike Brown had come by me at, at like a mat. I'd wait. I let everybody go. You know, I was, I was, I was, uh, being cautious. So I get the feeling good. The second practice, Mike Brown comes by. I said, dude, I'm going to just see how long I can hang with him. About the second turn, I'm going, I am in way over my head. I better, <laughs> I better cut this out. So I did like one more lap when practice was over. I went in, I said, I'm not even going to go out there to third practice because i'm i'm gonna keep pushing it and pushing it and something's gonna end up happening so she said you're racing tomorrow aren't you no i'm not racing tomorrow but i did get i did get to see the guy that uh actually ran into the back of my leg so that was a pretty good discussion i'm sure he was uh a little worried about it he was a nervous wreck but he claimed you know he claimed i didn't uh i didn't do it on purpose and it, it was totally on purpose you know, it was totally intentional. Hit me right in the back of the leg. Um, it, I waited to the last lap to pass him. You know, this was in 2018 at the Mini Olympics. And I waited to the last lap to pass him. I'd already won the first moto. I ran both of them down and, and passed them. And uh, there, were, there, was, there was probably there's probably 25 or so, I'm guessing, 60-plus guys in there. And three of us were really fast. But, you know, I was in shape. I've been training. You know, not not just for motocross, but I was just you know, just um, motivated. You know, and uh, so my my buddy says you need to go down there and and run. I said, well, if they got a sixty plus class, I'll go, and they did. And um, like I said, I I should have should have won, but I got a first in a DNS. Mm. Made a hospital trip, stayed down there for like four or five days. It was a year plus, you know, recovery. Yeah. I mean, surgery, I mean, got a new knee, had to get a new knee and actually at the end of it. And then the last surgery was to get my, cause I couldn't bend my knee enough to ride my bicycle. 
So I had to go. I said, look, this ain't going to work. He said, well, you can get out of a chair. I said, if you think all I'm going to do is get in and out of a chair, you got another thought coming. You know, I need a different knee or something. And they, uh, they did a uh, procedure on it and got me a little bit, little bit more range of motion. That's pretty cool. Um, have you ridden any of the modern day ATVs? No. No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't ridden. So when we went to um, Ashtabula for the, you know, the 50th year, I, I rode a three-wheeler. I was still on a cane and we got, hey, you need to race this thing. I said, dude, I'm not. But I did ride some of the, you know, I, I rode a, have you seen Binky Tapcott's ATV Forever Museum? Um, probably some pictures. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's crazy. It's 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 mainly all three wheeler stuff. But um, he had a bunch bunch of trick trikes there, and I mean, I've ridden I've ridden them, but not you know I haven't gone out and trail road or really done any, you know, motocross or anything like that. So you haven't had a whole lot of in in, in riding on the modern day four stroke ATV. No, no. Have you seen any of the the conversion three wheelers? Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of them. Have you ridden any of them? Yeah. I rode, I rode Binky. Binky had a, uh, an electric, I think it was an Alta. I rode it. And then he had a, a KTM 500 and I rode Shane rode it down there and I rode it around. So I, I rode a couple of those. Those are pretty cool. What did you think of the three wheeler with the four stroke motor? Dude, the four strokes. I mean, I've, I've been, I'm trying to think it was probably the year it was probably 88, um, 87, 88. Um, it, when we went to Gatorback, I rode, I, I rode the 30 plus in a, um, on an XR 600. I was only four stroke there. So I've been, I've been on four strokes for a long time, you know? Yeah. But the four stroke back then, to the four stroke today is just a bit. Oh better. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and think of all the wheel spin on the two fifty R versus these four fifties that just hook up and go, you know? Oh, that that's one of the biggest things that we still have to deal with today because we still build a lot of two strokes. Yeah. They, well, I want to beat the four strokes and I go, well, yeah. you need to be on a four stroke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they hook up. Exactly. Got all that wheel spin and you know, I, I ask other people this just because um, I'm fascinated with this one machine. Have you ridden the, the 300 KTM? Yes. What do you think of that bike? It's awesome. It's really it's awesome. Good. Super smooth. You know, I, I've ridden it in the woods. My buddy likes it so much. He's got two of them. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's a really smooth and fluid. I mean, it's, it's almost four stroke like, Two stroke, you know, light, still light and nimble, but it really hooks up good and it's smooth and fluid. That's awesome. I, I seen some videos on it and, and I have a friend of mine that owns one. He owns a carbureted one and a fuel injected one. Yeah. I want to go ride it. Just, I'm not oh, it's good. an orange fan, but I, yeah. I, I want to ride that motorcycle to see if it's really as cool as everybody says it is. Well, if you like, you can get a red when you can get a gas gas. 
no, I like red in my, I like red in the yeah. wing myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I tell I tell you something else that's it's on the horizon that's that's new and improved is is electric. So have you seen the Stark? No. Google Stark Future, the Stark Varg. Actually, I've been talking um to to Stark about being a dealer for them. Um they're they got 80 horsepower. You they're so tunable. Um just just google it because it's it's pretty cool it's 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 new and modern and it's going to be and 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 it'll run as long as a 450 tank of gas so you know that that was the issue with the uh uh alta you know it didn't didn't have as long of a range and i think one of them got like second in straight rhythm but electric is is coming you think so yeah yep you think it'll uh, you think it'll do away with the uh, the gas? I don't know. I don't I don't know that I would go that far. I mean, not in our lifetime, but um, some of the tracks in Europe, they they can they closed them all down. They they can only run like one track can only run three hours a week. You can't even race a race, you know. And uh, we we went to KTM in Austria, and you know glock is over there also that makes pistols well you can't own a you can't own a gun over there and you can't really ride a dirt bike so these companies that make ktm dirt bikes and glock pistols send them all over the world but you can't even ride them over there in austria which is crazy but the free ride you could ride it in the um so that's what i've got a, a free ride which is probably 25 horsepower or something it's just a little trail woods play bike you know but um i th- i think you're going to see the technology come at, at a rapid rate wow yeah I, I mean i'm i'm skeptical and and worried about it all at the same time because that just changes your whole perspective oh, everything you know i mean yeah you're not rebuilding engines anymore yeah yep you know when you're less maintenance well, you're an engine company. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yep. Honda's an engine company, but they've got Honda's got a, a pretty cool electric, you know, prototype that that they've shown. Is it as cool as the one that you just described? Honda's good at keeping a secret. I don't. I don't know what Honda's got. You know, I, I know the picture of the one is really really cool, but when you when you Google the Stark, you'll go. It's got some videos and you go, holy smoke, that's pretty impressive. Just like the KTM 300 is impressive, this is impressive. And and you won't know till you ride it, you know, right. but but the facts are the facts and it and everything they say seems seems impressive. How's the four-wheeler market back there? Sell every one of them we can get. Right now we sell everything we can get. In side by sides. You have to put orders in ahead of, way ahead of time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to uh, put a deposit down and and get in line. Once once in a blue moon, you know, something will sneak in that we didn't know about, but it it no, they don't last long at all. How do you keep your floor full? We we're going to end up selling about nineteen hundred units this year, but we 
or at every auction. We like to trade in stuff. Sometimes, I mean, I sold a Ranger to a friend of mine, which wasn't the one that he wanted. But I said, hey, when this thing comes in, I'm going to sell you this one for right now because I had a customer that we switched to another one. But you've got to trade it in when yours comes in. So, you know, we, we go out and buy used stuff. We go to every auction. Uh, we, we try to get trade-ins. If, if customers are sitting up, you know, we advertise that we buy bikes. Anything we can do to get units in the store. And then you refurbish them and sell them or just sell them as, as they are? Yeah, usually refurbish them. Sometimes we get offered stuff that's just really junky and we just we'll wholesale it out. But, you know, most of the time we, we try to buy stuff that's desirable and it just needs a little bit of work. We'll clean them up and service them and uh, inspect everything on them and, and put them on the floor. Wow. Totally, totally different market from 2018 to now. Yep. Yep. So KTM 350 SXS, you familiar with that? It's a motocross bike. Yes. So, I'm familiar with it because one of my good friends um, was trying to buy one. We had pre-COVID, we sold 15, okay? Then uh, in 20, we got three. So he said, I want, I want one, you know, I want one of the three uh, pictures you got coming. Okay. So most business people own demand supply, you know, and, and if, if I'm getting three, Versus 15, I still got to make the same amount of money somehow to pay. You know, my my expenses don't change. Right. So so I said, this is the price of this unit. I'm not paying that. You gave me a really good deal. I said, I know. I said, tell me you don't want it and, and I'll sell it. He said, I'm not paying that. So over the weekend, he called everywhere around to try to find one and he couldn't find one. And, and the next closest guy was $500 more than I was that, that, that had one. So he called me on Monday, said, Hey, uh, I'll take it. I said, I sold it. You told me you weren't going to buy it for that. So I sold it. Well, make sure you put me down for the first one twenty. So, so we went from 15 to three to two. So, so last year we got two. Um, however, I got, I took on Husky and gas gas. So really I got six. So I got two orange KTMs, two white KTMs, and two red KTMs. And are they identical other than plastic? No. The Husky's a little bit um, – it's, it's like $100 more. They have a carbon subframe and a few – you know, it's, it's a little bit nicer, I guess you'd say. And the gas gas is cheaper, several hundred dollars cheaper because they put cheaper rims, cheaper triple clamps, you know, the uh, – the, the, the what do you call the um mega bomb type exhaust that they come with now it's just a straight pipe on the on the gas gas but gas gas was harder to get than honda and um since me and troy were buddies i had to throw his name around a few times i mean i i heard that there was like 50 to 100 spots available in like you know or 50 to 100 dealers that were trying to get the five or six spot gas gas spots available and i luckily got one of them so but it was cool we're 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 selling them they're, they're a cool brand you know well and they have barsha out there 
you know, doing well in the nationals on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it cool. I just, they've been around forever, you know? Yeah. I would love to see KTM make an ATV again. Yeah. Because there'd be three of them, an orange one and a red one. Yeah. Yeah. That's what me and Pelham were talking about. Uh, George, one of his buddies that he's running around with just bought a, a KTM 500 XC. I think it went, was it a 500? The uh, KTM XC model, cross country model? It is, isn't it an EXC? It, yeah. I mean, one of them was a 450. And didn't they make a 500 or a 520? Which one was it? He just found a, found I can't one. I don't even remember. I just know that, I just know that after you've owned them a couple of years, they break. Yeah. Yeah. The motor design now and the things that they do now as a company versus what they did when they came out with their ATVs. Um, it's a totally different company. I, you know, <clears throat> I thought they did some pretty cool stuff with some of the things they do, but as far as some of the other stuff, what, where they missed is I don't think they came and got an ATV guy and listened. They may, yeah. have, they may have, um, talk to a few ATV people, but they didn't listen to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you listen a little bit to Tim Farr, but it takes, it takes, you know, mechanics and, and designers and all these, everybody to, to figure it out. You know, well, I, got to, I got to go to a Polaris intro and I'm standing there and there's three engineers in front of me and all the other mechanics and riders are, you know, 20 feet behind me, you know, hiding. And I'm standing there going, okay, who's got the pen and paper? Let's, let's get this yeah. figured out. And they're like, what do you mean? And I go, well, you got to fix other things you screwed up. Yeah. That needless to say, Polaris didn't have me around very much longer after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've done expert witness work for Honda and you know, they've got an engineer sitting there and a lawyer sitting there and they don't want to ride or anybody else. You know, that that's, that's enough to mess up anything. And, and, uh, it takes a lot to, to get something to market that, you know, that, that the common guy that sits on the seat and turns the throttle can tell them that, that, you know, Oh, he, he's an idiot. Cause he's out there. You know, he should, he should have all this education like we got, but a lot of court cases, man, I could, I could, I could figure out what happened quicker than the accident reconstructionists. You know, they'd have a lawyer there, an engineer, accident reconstructions and all these people with all these high level education. I walked up there and said, dude, they said one of the cases, they said a 250 four wheeler, you know, the utility type that the guy was going up a hill and he wheelied over backwards. And I said, didn't happen. How do you know it didn't happen? That's what he said in his deposition. I said, dude, you can't wheelie that thing over backwards. You know, it don't have enough power to do that. And so we went to the site and I figured out he, he got up to the top of a hill and the trees narrowed. So he started coming back down the hill and mashed on the rear brakes and it flipped over. And that's what happened. They'd been there for a week. I, I woke up and I said, dude, this is exactly what happened. You know, just cause I've, I've done it, you know, right. I've seen the show before, but you know, they, they don't want to listen to, you know, us common guys that, that, uh, you know, that live it and ride it and, and do all the other stuff with them exactly. that we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> well, no, it's not that we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. That's yeah. What it was made for, right. That we're, that we're going to do. Yeah. 
Right. Did you ever do any cross country racing? I've, I, I rode a couple of them. You know, I, I, I rode one in, um, I'm trying to think. I rode one in Ocala, Florida at Hard Rock one time and uh, had a flat tire. I actually, I was leading and had a flat tire. And uh, of course, I had motocross tires on. And it was a lot of the motocross track. And that's why I was, why I was winning. And then I had a flat tire. And uh, I think I rode one. Maybe I rode one at Aonia um, in Georgia. I think I've ridden two or three of them. I've ridden a couple on the um, motorcycle. Yeah. And how did it, how, when you were younger or when you uh, older? No, no, just a few years back. Oh. Where was your favorite place to race? Southwick. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, when I first, when I first started riding motorcycles, I, I struggled in sand. And um, me and my buddy, every weekend we'd go somewhere. They said, hey, let's go run the Florida series. And have you ever heard of Cocoa Beach? I have. Um, Diamondback and then in Orlando Sports Stadium. I mean, you you go out there. Orlando was both of them were rough as a cob. So the rougher the better for me. I had a I had a sand track that I could practice at. And um anyway, you go to Orlando Sports Stadium and and you look out there and you say, Hey, this is gonna be smooth. I'm gonna be flying out here. And the second lap it starts getting whooped out, whooped out, whooped out. Shoot, end of the day, it's ah. Ah, ah, you know, just struggling to get around the, the track, you know, but, um, so then I said, dude, I got to learn how to ride the sand. And so we had this place called Stucky's. It, it was Stucky's was a, like a convenience store gas station, you know, and way behind it, there was a sand track that was out there and it was just beat, never had any maintenance. And every time it rained, you know, you'd have to go splash the mud puddles out of it. And, but it was sand whoops. And, and I just, I just really did good at sand because I was so tall. I could get on the back, just hammer the whoop. So, you know, I think that was my favorite track. Did you, did you ever win it? No, no. Even Loretta's. I like Loretta's. Um, uh, I got a bunch of seconds at Loretta's eight motorcycles and, and four wheelers. Uh, the, the year that I should have won Southwick, I ended up season. I mean, realistically nationals Reedsville, I won. And I think that was the only national that I won. Um, I'm trying to think. Reedsville, North Carolina ended up, my, my sister got married that weekend. And so we practiced and then, we raced on Sunday, so we had to fly home to the wedding and then fly back to the to the national. That we ended up winning that weekend. I can't remember if I won another one or not, but uh, I remember that because of my my sister's wedding. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But I had we we broke a lot of stuff, dude. We broke a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, at those places. Yeah, I mean national. Yeah, transmissions. Um, clutches well the, one of the craziest stories is um the year i'm trying to think it was 80 88 or 89 that um i was in running for the for the national championship and i put on hoosier tires at loretta's 
and Shane hit. Remember the Hoosier Nobbies? Yep. And I guess I can tell this. The statute's limitations probably run out on this, so I can probably tell you about it. But Hoosier Nobbies were like 35s. They were really, really hard. And Hoosier, I can't remember the guy's name, Farron Lubber. Do you remember him? Yeah. He, he, all right, so Farron made us some special Hoosier Nobbies that were like 20 compound. So at, at Loretta's, you know how they till up the start? And they till the start really, really deep. Yep. And then when you get out there, it's hard packed. And, you know, so I make the cho- choice to run the Hoosier knobbies. And Shane hit, you know, he said, you're an idiot. You're crazy as hell. You're an idiot. So I was dead last off the line. And they only ran us like six laps, I think. And we were supposed to run, I think, 20 minutes plus, plus two laps or whatever. But I came from dead last to second. And John Lucos ended up winning. But if we had gone another lap, we, we probably should have gone two more laps. I would have passed him and won the, you know, won that and probably won the championship because I was terrible on TTs. And those and those tires worked so good. Oh, they were on the track. They worked. I just got murdered coming off the gate because they tilled it. Yep. Oh yeah, it was just ah, just you know, spinning and. Everybody was gone. <laughs> Did you remember the old TT race, motocross race? Yeah. That is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you like that format? Um, dude, I didn't like any TTs because I never rode them. My, my best TT story, I got second in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, that's, that's my best TT finish. And it was, I mean, it was like, shoot it was it was just long i mean we were running 90 miles an hour down through there i think um watts won the won it and i was in second shoot 100 yards back and everybody was way behind it had one set of whoops in it that was just gnarly as hell that i just i killed them every time um did you go to that one cedar rapids no um but and then i did pretty good at um it was a TT, but it was more motocrossy at, um, I think it was in Charlotte. You know, it had a, it had a big jump and, you know, it was TT, TT type track, but it was, it was, uh, more, it, it suited. I liked any TT track that suited motocross guys. <laughs> so, so you, but there weren't many, there weren't many. No, no, there weren't many at all. That's but good. my best, my best TT story is in Challenger in Pennsylvania um, in, a, in a heat race. I beat Shane Hit with a right front flat tire. And the rim was just, it was probably hooking up better than a tire because that rim was just sticking in the thing, in the clay, and I could just turn wherever I wanted to turn. And Shane's daddy, do you remember Brad Hit? Oh, yeah. He was just giving him hell. He said, He's got eyes in the back of his head. He was going left. He was going right. Shane, you should have drove around him. He said, I couldn't go around him. But it was, that was one of the, that's one of the funniest things. I always remind him of that. Yeah. Oh, that's too awesome. Yeah. Too awesome. Beating Shane at a TT. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even if, even if it is just a heat race, that's a feather in your cap. You're going to hell yeah. Hell yeah. With a flat tire. Yeah, that's even yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had Shane on the 
on the podcast and I've had him on a couple of times. And uh, this last time we got totally into TT setup and shocks and tires. And um, it, it was good to, to, to get some of that information out of him. I, I don't know what it does for anybody today, but yep. back in the 250R days, it was, it was some. Oh yeah. They were smart. I mean, you know, you, you think he's a dumb West Virginia redneck. He's smart as hell when it comes to setting up for a TT. You know, he wasn't that bad in motocross either. No, he was just, he, he, he didn't have the strength because he would come train with me. He didn't have, I mean, I, I guess a lot of it was, you know, I, I was always trying to be the most physically fit and the strongest, you know, cause that's, that's what I thought motocross was about. And I mean, he would train with me and yeah, he could go really fast, but it's just like at the end of the moto it's like, dude, he just, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta throw those things. They're heavy. You know, they're, they're, you gotta, you gotta be a man to ride a, a, a rough motocross track, you know? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's, and, and, you know, at 140 pounds, he was just a, almost too small. Yeah. And perfect for TT. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. Out of all the people that you raced with, who was the one guy that you ran into all the time? Dude, I don't, you know, I don't really, I mean, me and Gentry had some, some major battles. Um, me and Gentry had battles. I remember, I remember I beat Marty Hart somewhere. I, you know, I mean, I always respected those guys and looked up to them. I mean, Marty and Denton and all them. And um, once I beat you once, dude, it was over. You know, it's like I remember, I remember beating Jimmy White at Huron and uh, my mechanic. I, I won the first moto, um, and I think Jimmy got like Jimmy beat me at at uh, Carlsbad, the one on TV, the Wide World of Sports. Did you ever see that? Yes. So he, I won the first moto and he won the second moto, but, um, I think he won the overall there. So I beat him at Huron and I got a first and I think I got like a, I think he got like a fourth and he was winning the second moto. And so I was just kind of sitting back going, dude, I got the overall. I'm going to just kind of sit here. And my mechanic comes out there and throws his pit board out there. And I, I don't think I can say the word that he put on the pit board and it pissed me off. So I just ran him down and, and, uh, I was kind of mad at Jeff, you know, after the, after the race, I said, what in the hell are you talking about? He said, if you let them think they can beat you, they will. And so from that point on, I knew he, he's not beat me ever again, straight up, you know? And, uh, I mean, they, they were, they were, we had a bunch of dang fast riders that could win, you know, on any weekend. And the, the arena cross Doug Gust would come and race some. Um, and like the arena cross, that was, that was brutal. It was, it was, you know, it always had a huge jump in the middle and, and the whoops were pretty gnarly, but in, in 80, the, the first year at Loretta's I was doing the, I was timing the, you know, the whoops at Loretta's nobody else was doing it on a four wheeler. I think Jeff Cernix, you know him? Yep. I think Jeff's got like second or third that year on the, on the quad, but I was the only one, you know, doubling, doubling, doubling in, in the 10 commandments. And, um, 
you know, I just, I'd, I'd been jumping motorcycles. So, you know, it wasn't that much different to me, but they were trying to hammer through them or, you know, just didn't have the rhythm to them that I, I seemed to have. And I was long legged. So, and this, that's, that's another funny story is, uh, I had an issue with a front shock and, and Wayne at PP said, well, you, you riding up there with Shane, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, just, just get one of his. I said, dude, it's a different shock. And he said, no, they're exactly the same. I said, I'm 185 pounds, Shane's 130 max. You know, he said, yeah, but yours, he said, I, I, I put all your spring on the back cause you ain't riding on the, you never up on the front of it. So me and Shane had the same front suspension. You know, <laughs> he said, you're always on the grab bar. You're never up on the front of it. That's that was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. And you just put a shock on there and, and go. Yeah. Put a big, put, put all the spring in the back and, you know, lightweight front shocks and you're ready to go. That's so freaking cool. That is so cool. Donnie, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me. Um, I would really like to uh, invite you to come back and schedule another because there, we haven't even touched on most of your racing career. We got just the highlights and I know that you have a fan base that would love to hear more. All right. We'll do it. Well, I'll, I'll schedule with you and we'll get you back on. Um, the girls that helped me put this together, uh, my daughters, they uh, limit me on how much time. And I'd talk for hours, you know, yeah. like Joe Rogan and three, four or five hours later, yeah. you know, we'd be done. But um, most people's attention spans aren't that long. Right. So, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to send you my daughter's information too. Cause she, you know, she's really, she's really excited about, you know, sports broadcasting and motocross and four-wheeler stuff. She's into it. So she comes home and finds all these pictures and say, Hey dad, check this out. You know, I'd forgot about half the stuff that she finds, but. Um, did, what did she say about you coming on a podcast? I hadn't even told her. I hadn't talked to her in about two or three days. She's her and her mom have been going back and forth about Valentine's Day, but um, see, she was going to do one for like she's done the Senior Bowl for football. Um, you know, she did sports broadcasting. She does a local college here. Um, she's she's done a bunch of stuff, but she's just you know, it, there's a lot of people going for those few positions, you know. Right. And she would love to do supercross. Um she she could definitely do some four wheel stuff. I mean, she she just needs to get her name out there. She's pretty good, I think. Of course I'm, you know, yeah. I'm her favorite. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much. Okay. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. More than 33 years in the industry is building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.